Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Monday, October 3rd. I can't believe I have to say October already. But it is. We are here live. It's time for a free-for-all Monday. Anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join us. Those phone lines are open right now. The number to call, 855-950-3835. We can talk about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join me. Calls are starting to come in. We'll get to those here pretty quickly. I don't have any big theme today. I have a bunch of odds and ends I could talk about. Uh, Let's see what's up first. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm not going to talk a lot about it. I have talked about this before in the past many times. Um, There is an owner-operator, husband-and-wife team that... uh, They've petitioned the FMCSA. They want an exemption from hours of service. And they it's because of their safety record for decades. I, I've said before that there is no good way to create hours of service that works. It, it doesn't work with the way the human body works, with the way our schedules work. I, I've said many times, what if we just didn't have hours of service? You'd have to have really strict uh, penalties for accidents of any kind, obviously. Um, I I really don't expect to see it widespread ever, but this is an interesting case. Uh, I can't imagine the FMCSA is going to grant this. Uh, There's no program available. There's no criteria set, but uh, certainly something interesting to think about. Um, I know... Most good drivers could manage their sleep cycle much better on their own than we do with hours of service. There would also be a lot of problems with it. There's no doubt. Uh, Something to think about. What else do I have up here? Um, This I found interesting. You know, when we go through these up and down cycles, I'm always watching you know, during the down cycle, when are the bankruptcies going to start? We've had several bankrupt trucking companies. We've had several uh, so far in this cycle, not as many as I may have thought, although we really shouldn't have many. Right now, even though our numbers are down significantly, they're, they're kind of on par with 2018. The numbers we're looking at right now aren't all that different than 2018, and 2018 was a pretty darn good year. We are starting to see some, I don't know if this is just a coincidence or if there's actually something going on here. Two Pennsylvania-based trucking companies filed for Chapter 11. Now, both of these companies are being run by the same people. They have the same address, same officers, same everything. They do operate under two different um, authorities, but they're, and I don't know why they've got them separated. Um, they go through safety data here and all kinds of things. 
one of the companies had an outstanding safety record. The other one was just so-so, but they're filing bankruptcy. Here's the interesting thing, because I read about um, two other trucking companies have filed for bankruptcy. They all have something in common. All four of these companies have something in common. Their primary work is with the U.S. Postal Service. They all had contracts with the U.S. Postal Service, and that was their primary freight. They had some other things going on, um, several hundred trucks involved here. But I'm wondering, they didn't go into a lot of detail. They said certainly that the increased cost of fuel and insurance and some other things played a part in it. But then they said it was more to do with the fact that the U.S. Postal Service is redoing contracts and their miles and their revenue was significantly cut. I wonder if that's something that they're doing on purpose. I wonder if they're going after these small owner-operator companies. Uh, The federal government's doing an awful lot of things to get rid of independent contractors. And maybe this is just one more of those. I don't know. It seems unusual that four companies that all contract with the Postal Service have all filed bankruptcy in the last several months. Um, We don't normally see that a lot. And again, the numbers right now really are just not that bad. Uh, What else did I have here? Oh, I thought this was funny. Um, Elon Musk tweeted the other day that um, his cyber truck, when it comes out, I still think this thing is a joke. I don't know if this is for real or not. Remember when the cyber truck came out and how goofy it looks? And um, it still does look that goofy, by the way. Um, I haven't really seen any changes, but now he's tweeting that it floats that you can, you know, use this thing like an amphibious vehicle. Um, The government deleted his tweet, basically, and uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, They're calling it Nintendo 64 floaty truck, which is kind of what it looks like from the old uh, Nintendo game. But uh, we'll see if that thing actually ever sees the light of day. Uh, The market is doing some weird things this morning. Um, All the news right now is bad. The spending and inflation data from Friday was bad. Uh, The market seems to be making somewhat of a run up today. Um, Kind of a bounce. I'm not really sure why. I don't think it's going to mean much. The market's kind of tanking right now. Um, One of the questions I get a lot, we talk about it a lot. I'm sure we're going to continue talking about it. Where do you put your money in a time like this? Uh, Right now, there aren't any good places. The market's in bad shape. Real estate is really, really starting to get ugly. Uh, Interest rates aren't high enough yet, although I did see uh, some savings accounts approaching 3%, which is pretty interesting. We haven't seen that in quite a while. But for the most part, the only place to put your money right now, cash and pre-buy. We're still looking at crazy high inflation. It's not coming down. So any consumable you want to pre-buy, whether that's for home or business, anything you know you're going to consume, when you buy it now, 
instead of next month or three months from now, you're getting a pretty decent return on your money. Other than that, it's not time yet to be investing anywhere or making any big financial decisions. I would just sit back and watch right now. Uh, more talk about the AB5 law. Um, now, companies in California are starting to question how they're going to enforce this. You know, if we look at California and their emission laws and the fact that um, an awful lot of trucks are basically illegal in California right now, those trucks are in California every day. Thousands, tens of thousands of them possibly, who knows? Uh, And that law has been around for years now. So, just because there's a law in California about AB5 doesn't mean everybody's going to adhere to it. In fact, they're not. Where will the courts start to crack down? I, at first, I would think they're going to go after larger California trucking companies based in California with California owner operators. Those will be the first targets. The ports are really the the big target of this law. Um don't forget, this law was actually designed to um, to control the gig economy, but it's really having a huge impact on trucking and several other industries as well. Um, the The concern now with trucking companies is, well, what if we're not based in California, but we use California owner operators? Is, are they going to crack down on that? What if I'm a company based in California, but I have owner-operators who are domiciled in other states? Can I do that? Nobody knows. There are no good answers to this. This is what happens. These are unintended consequences when they write laws. Always happens. The trucking industry was not the original target of this law, although the ports have been pushing for this for years. Uh, So uh, still a lot of confusion about AB5, but it is starting to be enforced in California. It is the law now. I mean, there's another appeal out there. I don't know if anything's going to happen with it, but that isn't affecting the law. The law is in place and can now be enforced in California. So We're just going to have to wait and see what happens out there. We're going to get started with some calls. We're going to head off to Wisconsin to get going. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, Making the yogurt. They got the Rudy Tootie and then the hell, that's a long name to talk about. Yeah. Um, I thought Rudy Tootie, I know, uses inulin. What do you use? for the other um, yogurt that you have on that list? Inulin for all of them. Yeah, you you can use inulin for all of them. You can also use potato starch, but I've heard from people that it just doesn't work as well. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I I was reading in some of the paperwork on the uh, uh, Destination Health uh, group, and... said some difference but that's why i was just checking on that so just use inulin and pretty much the same dosage yeah all the the only thing that's different the dosages for all the different yogurts are the same so 
one quart okay. to three tablespoons of inulin and three tablespoons of starter culture. That doesn't change. All those are the same. The only difference between right. the different yogurts are the temperature that you culture them at. The temperature and some of them have a longer time frame, correct? Uh, there may have been one that said 40 hours. I think you might be right. I think most of right. them are 36, but I think there was one that may have been 40. Okay. Okay. That answers my questions. I just wanted to clarify what I was reading. So before I dug into it, so yeah. So thank is, you very is, much for your time. Is this your first attempt? Uh, no, I made the El right several okay. times. So turns out right. Yeah, so you're familiar with the inulin, then you just kind of make a slurry out of it so it doesn't clump yep. up. Yep, same thing. Yep. Do that with the stick blender, and then hand uh, mix in the the uh, the yogurt culture or the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the concern there is yep. that the stick blender can actually kill the bacteria. That's why we you can blend yep. the inulin all you want with a blender, a stick blender, whatever. Get it nice and smooth in there. Then all you do is whisk in your starter culture, yep. and it'll be fine. Perfect. Yeah. I just, just wanted to clarify, so thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. All right. Lines are open. It is a free-for-all today, 855-950-3835. Anything goes, pick up the phone and join us. We're going to head off to Kansas this time. Tim, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? Doing good. What's on your mind? I uh, have a question concerning my Garmin Instinct. I thought I heard you say that when you charge yours, you get a 28-day charge on it? Yes. I'm only able to get an eight-day charge, and I'm wondering what I am doing different about being... You must have deleted quite a few of the programs. There's there's really, there's really one big thing. If you turn it off, you get a lot more time. I think I only have one sensor turned off, but that one sensor really gives you a lot more time. And I used the sensor for a couple months trying to see if there was anything I was going to learn from it. And I really wasn't. And it's the, uh, I, it was kind of interesting to watch, but I, I, there was nothing changing, nothing I could really see that I was learning. It's the um, pulse ox sensor measures, measures the oxygen in okay. your blood. If you just turn that sensor off in settings, then you'll shoot up over 20 some days when you charge. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, and I... I Get I honestly, like I said, I can't find any real good use for that data. Well, mine has been high consistently up in ninety two to ninety six. So uh, I'd say that's a good thing, and it's pretty much yeah. remained constant. So yeah, if I can shut it off, it'd be not and gain that much battery time. That would be a, a good trade. It really is. Um, you know, like I said, I used the data for a long time. Then I, you know, doing all the research on this breathing, one of the things I found out that's kind of interesting is 
I mean, I've had times where my pulse ox stays consistently at 99 and 100, really high. And it might, the, but the only time it ever dips is at night, and I'm never sure why. You know, it's possible that I've rolled over on my back and I'm not sleeping as well on my back. I don't know. But it, there was no clear pattern. There was nothing I could do to change it. And I found out that there are times when your pulse ox is really high like that, 99 or 100, and it's not necessarily a good thing. There's that that might indicate that the oxygen is actually locked up in our blood and our body's not able to access it properly. That has everything to do with carbon dioxide. So the the Wim Hof breathing and other breathing methods that we use really try to affect carbon dioxide. And if you have the wrong levels of carbon dioxide in your bloodstream too low, then your body can't access the oxygen. So you might have a really high number, but your body's not accessing it very well. So with all that, and then the fact that I tried playing around with it, is there anything I can do to change it? It didn't seem like anything I did really had any impact on it. All right. Well, thank you very much for the info. And I'll, as soon as I get stopped, I'll have to shut that off and see what that does for battery time. There you go. You'll be surprised. It jumps up a lot. Very good. Well, you have a great day. All right. Thanks for the call. That's going to open up phone lines. We had a run on calls there for a second, and then they uh, they disappeared, so I'm not sure what happened. Now's your chance. It is a free-for-all Monday. Anything goes. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone, 855 um, Well, actually, for the last month or two, there's been a topic that I've been working on for my open. And I may do a recorded podcast with this. Um, One of the things we're going to start working on uh, in the show, I think we're getting close to being ready. We're going to transition some of our shows to podcasts. Uh, The big one that we'll probably start with, uh, The Pit. You know, I could do the pit by myself, but I really like having guests to get different opinions in. Um, Politics themselves are so wide ranging, so many issues going on, so many stories, so many things happening. Um, I really like to get another perspective. And the other thing about the uh, political show, the calls are just weird. One day we were slammed. We just had call after call after call. Um, A lot of times on the political shows, I don't get a lot of calls. So by turning it into a podcast, one of the things we'll be able to do is we won't be doing those live. We'll schedule those as recordings, and then we'll post them when we're done. Um, We could even eventually have callers on a show like that. We would just use our text message system and... um, allow callers in as well. So even if it's not scheduled, that doesn't mean we can't have callers. That allows my guests um, to be able to schedule. So if for some reason they have a conflict when it's live, then we've missed that whole week. Whereas if we turn that into a podcast and we schedule that show, that will be a lot easier to get guests in. 
some of the other shows where we want to do more guests, uh, some health shows. Uh, we may create some new health shows that will be podcasts. They'll be recorded. Again, that allows us to have the flexibility for guests. Sometimes for us, it's really difficult to schedule guests. Health, we only do once a week. If they miss that show, then we have to schedule them out. So, you know, right now we're pretty well booked for guests and it's getting harder and harder to fit people in. So by doing some podcasting and some live, um, we'll be able to get more guests in and uh, get some more shows and segments done. So one of the topics I've been working on, and I keep wanting to use it as an open, but it's a pretty long open. I mean, it, it, if I really um, did it the way I wanted to, it would probably take an hour. And what happens is we get calls starting to come in and I want to get to the callers. So every time I've started a show off with this topic, I end up kind of bailing on it before I really get into the meat of it. Um, it's this idea, and I'll just throw it out there now. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it today either because we're starting to get some more calls in. Um, it's this idea of why right now is when you should be focused on starting a business. The last eight years that we had this big run up and all these great rates, that was the single most common question I could answer. Should I buy a truck? I want to buy a truck. I want to be an owner operator. I want to get my own authority. And now those calls and questions have just dried up. And this happens every time. This is the time to get into business. And I have a whole open lined up with all the reasons why, and I just haven't gotten to it yet, and I'm not going to get to it today. So those are the ideas where I don't want to take an entire hour out of the live show to do those. So I'm going to start doing more recorded podcasts for shows and topics like that. Now, now the thing I have to do is I have to find the time because that's just additional time on top of what I'm already doing. But We'll get that figured out. Um, right now, we've got some calls coming in. Keep them coming. 855-950-3835. Let's go to Wisconsin. Tim, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing today? Doing good. What's on your mind? I got a quick question on the yogurt. So, uh when I, um, I've been actually making it for quite a long time, and I do it always the same way, but I don't ever use inulin except for a starter batch. I, I've never used it any other time other than a starter batch. Uh, I would use it. The, the idea is we want to make sure there's enough food in there to keep the bacteria thriving and multiplying. That's all inulin is. Inulin is just food for the bacteria. So by throwing it in there, it, and well, without without testing every batch, we don't know what our counts are. So I, I, I do know, though, that Dr. Davis, when he developed these recipes, did do testing and figured out the optimal temperatures using the inulin. And he recommends the inulin in every batch, not just the starter. Oh, interesting, because I've... I, I've never had a batch bad ever. Well, it's always it, it, perfect. 
Well, we we don't know what perfect is. I mean, it could be thick. It could have a good consistency. It might not be breaking down. But I can find commercial yogurt that is, there's nothing wrong with it. It's yogurt. It's thick. It's creamy. It's, it's, but it has very little bacteria. And you can't tell the difference. Well, would the tartness be the trademark of... You know, I don't don't know. Without testing that, we wouldn't know. Um, Some of the yogurts are not very tart at all. The the one right now, I'm doing a blend of um, Rudy Tootie and the Bomber, and the Bomber has no tartness at all. Totally smooth and mellow with no tartness at all. But it's thick. So it, yeah. it's yogurt, it cultured. Did we get enough bacteria? Yeah. See, the, the, the bacteria itself influences the flavor, the thickness, all kinds of things. You know, there are some yogurts on the market that are super mild. You know, they taste like cream, basically. They have no tartness to them at all. So that's not a good indicator. We would have to take each individual strain create multiple batches, test each batch, and then say, oh, look, when we taste it and it's tart, our bacteria count is higher. It might be a thing, but it might not be. We haven't tested it. We don't know. Yeah. You know what's funny is I uh, I use an A2. It's a commercial brand, A2 half and half. It's ultra pasteurized. I've never had a batch that had a problem with separation ever. Yeah, see, I I was the same way for over a year, like a year and a half. And I was making a new batch every week and every batch was perfect. Then out of the blue, for no apparent reason, my batch separated completely and I had nothing that resembled yogurt. Even the, you know, the whey was liquid. The other part was more like um, almost cheese. It had almost cultured into cheese yeah. instead of yogurt. And then I tried another batch and couldn't get it. I think I may have even tried a third. I had a, I had a couple weeks there where I had no yogurt because none of my batches were coming out. I couldn't figure out why. Um, um, then I finally got a good yeah. batch. And that's what I'm eating right now. And I'm probably getting to make, an, I'm going to make another batch here in a couple of days. We'll see what happens. But I had that run for a year and a half. Yeah. Everything was perfect. And then all of a sudden, I could not make a batch of yogurt, no matter what I did. Yeah. The one thing I do do, though, is uh, I don't use just a little whey. I just take regular yogurt as my starter. That, and, uh, I put in quite a bit. I I don't actually really measure, measure, you know. That's part of what's helping you then without the inulin. That's one of the ways you can make up for not having enough inulin is you put enough yogurt in there to start with that already has a lot of bacteria and you're you're not using the ways for using the thick part of the yogurt. But to me, that's just, you know, I want my yogurt to last as long as possible. I don't want to use a pint of it to make my next batch. So I do just use the whey because I strain all of mine. In fact, I, I, I now never even take mine out of the strainer. I just eat it out of the strainer. I just, you know, grab a bowl and put some in a bowl and just leave the strainer in the refrigerator and it gets really, really thick. And then I just use the whey for my next batch. 
Yeah, I, it's kind of funny. I don't, we don't even really have that much weight, you know. Uh, if, there might be a little bit. Yeah, when you, when you use pure half and half and you get a good batch, there's not going to be a lot of weight, but plenty to start your next batch. Yeah, see, I, I don't, I don't get that. I, I, the yogurt we make, so take it out, put it in the fridge, and uh, there's nothing on top ever. Oh, well, so well wait, yeah, well, stir- wait, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't ever see any way unless I put it in a yogurt strainer. That's how I get the way. If I didn't put it in a strainer, I wouldn't have any way to use. I would have to use yogurt. Because nothing separates on its own. But when mine, when mine comes out of the sous vide, it goes in the refrigerator overnight yep. to chill. Then the next day I take it out and I have a gallon yogurt strainer and I just pour the whole batch into the strainer and I don't even attempt to eat it till it's been straining for 24 hours. And then, like I said, now I just leave it in there. So it'll be in there sometimes for, yeah, you know, two yogurt. weeks. Yours is, uh, you can actually pour yours? Oh, no. No. Now, when when it's in the quart jars before I put it in the strainer, you can not really pour it. I have to get a spatula and get it out of there. It's, it's pretty thick. But yeah. when mine comes out yeah. of the strainer, I mean, by the time I'm done, because it's still in there, I mean, we're approaching cream cheese thickness. Okay. Yeah, I don't, uh, the only time, uh, you know, we'll leave it in the court jars and after you get down a little bit, there'll be a little way in there. And then I just dump that into the dog bowl. But, and it's very, very, I mean, well, almost that, negligible. Right. But so. put it in a strainer once and watch how much whey you get out of it. A lot. And the more whey we get out, that's yeah. where the where the carbs are, too. Yeah, interesting. No. Yeah, the more whey we but, take uh, out of it, yeah, the lower I, carb the yogurt's going to be. Yeah, the other day, it's funny, I had a batch that was coming due, it was supposed to be due like at 8.30 that night, fell asleep. I didn't get to, you know, the next morning, so it cooked another, you know, whatever, eight hours or ten hours. Yeah, see, and, uh, but what what I, Dr. Davis claims through his testing is the reason he picked 36 hours, except that one strain he goes to 40, was because he did the testing in the beginning. And he, he said it was consistent that at 36 hours, you were getting your maximum bacteria. If it went beyond 36 hours, you actually started to lose bacteria. Because at that point, they've run out of food, and bacteria don't live long. That's the other thing we have to remember. Each individual bacteria cell, they don't have really long life. Sometimes some bacteria could be hours, not even days. So it's constantly multiplying, but if you run out of food and they're not multiplying, then they're dying. So your, your count actually goes way down. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you a question. Did you ever start doing your testing on that uh, balance of nature stuff as far as glyphosate being in there? Or- 
I've I've got it sitting. Somebody sent me two bottles of it. I've got it sitting right here. Even I've got the address and everything for the lab. I just haven't sent it off yet. Just it's one of those tasks that I just don't seem to get to. I need to do that because that, that every time I see the commercials, they make me crazy. <laughs> well, it's funny. They must be making a pile of money because they oh. got some. Yeah, they got some. Yeah. Pretty high end people now. Yeah. And uh, I just it it's kind of funny to me, but it, well, the the one line that drives me absolutely insane, and I know it's marketing and all that, but they say we use the absolute best produce available. Well, wait a minute. No, you don't. You're telling us you don't. It's not even organic. You're saying it's the best available. It's probably the worst available. If it's not organic, it's just conventionally raised produce. What 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 make you, when you say we're using the best produce available? Tell us what your criteria is for that then, because I certainly don't see anything that makes this produce good. Yeah, I wonder if in that dehydration process, like on the vegetable side. What does it do with oxalates? You know, that's what I'm interested in. You that, know, do the oxalates go away? No, do they I get don't. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. I would like to test for oxalates because there are some very, it, you know, there's, we don't really have any oxalates in fruits, so we wouldn't have to worry about it there. Um, although. Right. What you would have to worry about with the fruits is if you are sensitive to nightshades, you would have a problem. They have quite a few nightshades in their fruit blend, uh, mostly because tomato is a nightshade and tomato is a fruit, not a vegetable. But in their vegetable blend, they have a lot of stuff in here that's really high in oxalates, really high. Well, see, that's what I'm wondering. Do the oxalates magnify you know what i'm saying i don't well in a sense yes it's not like we create more oxalates but you're able to eat so much more of the vegetable because of what we've done to it they you know here's what they claim here's the other claim that makes me crazy in their commercial they'll say you would never ever be able to eat this many fruits and vegetables oh well, then maybe I shouldn't be consuming that many fruits and vegetables. If I couldn't eat it, if I'm not able to eat this much of it in the wild or anywhere, then why would we think it's a good idea to take that much of it? Yeah. Well, just remember, you can never argue how good they are for you, right? Like that guy says. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's no argument. I, that's the other line. I laugh every time. I, there'll never be an argument about fruits and vegetables. Well, there already is an argument, dummy. It's been going on for quite a while. We're, there's some of us that believe that too many plant foods in our diet probably aren't a good thing. Well, exactly. But uh, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to see if you could get a hold of their financials. You know, if it's the publicly traded oh, company. I'm just. They, I, They're killing it. I'm sure of be, it. Yeah, it, I'm sure of it. it. Yeah, it, it, yeah. We uh, we take care of a elderly neighbor, and uh, one day I walk in there and I see two bottles sitting on the counter. I go, "Where'd you get those?" Oh, one of the kids sent it to me. <laughs> 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 
you know, here, yeah. like, here's the yeah. other here's the other theme about their commercials, and obviously you're paying attention to their commercials, so you'll you'll get this theme as well. This this makes me a little crazy. The commercials always start off. We're looking at somebody, you know, the person. Um, many of them are, I don't know. They look like they might be in their thirties. They look relatively healthy. They're not, you know, obscenely obese or anything. And they'll start off saying, just a year, I was uh, just a year ago. I was so sick. I couldn't play with my kids or I was so sick. I thought I would never be able to garden again. And then I took balance of nature. Now I'm fine. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. What was wrong with you that you were so sick? You couldn't play with your kids. You were so sick you thought you weren't going to be able to garden ever? Well, what was wrong? Tell us what was wrong. And then this this thing really fixed it? Come on. Come on. You were it, you were laid up in bed? You were so sick you couldn't do anything? And now all of a sudden you're great because of this? Give me a break. Come on. And that's a theme in almost every one of their commercials. I was so sick I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. I, and now I'm fine. Well, what was wrong with you? Yeah, crazy. Hey, one last thing. Have you, uh, uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, have you finished uh, that fossil fuel book yet or no? The Actually, I finished the first one and I, he wrote another book. I'm on that one now. Well, that one. You haven't finished the second no, one? No, I haven't finished the second one yet, no. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, it's kind of interesting because he's, he's a, uh, what is he, a philosopher by trade, correct? And uh, he just took the data and, yeah. and uh, yeah. it's pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting, the argument. It's not even an argument. It's just a factual thing. And, you know, the big thing he always says is, when do you ever hear anybody talk about how good fossil fuels are? Never. It's always yeah. bad. And and why? You're right. That's a very good point. Even if we want to move on to something that could eventually be better, because there, there's no proof that anything we're doing right now is better for the environment or anything else. But even if we find a better way, why would we demonize this? What What's the point in that? Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, and uh, you know I don't know if you saw recently there was a post. Uh, someone did a test. I forget the guy's name. He took the new Ford Lightning pickup and towed with it, very light load, like thirty five hundred pounds. <laughs> I don't even think he got a hundred miles for for uh, you know battery life. It was it was I think well under a hundred miles. Yeah, you know, that that part of all this isn't a big deal to me when we see, oh, you know, somebody said, oh, what would it be like trying to get out of Florida with an electric car? Well, what would it be like trying to get out of Florida when the gas stations are closed and nobody can get gas? It's really not that different other than we do have a much better infrastructure build out for gas and diesel. That's the only difference. You know, the, the, all the, or, where you well, see, oh, my God, look, they're charging that electric car with a gas-powered generator or something. I, I, to me, that's all nonsense. It, it, we have one technology that we use now. We're moving to a new technology. We've been using internal combustion engines for well over 100 years, and they still have problems. 
It's not like they're foolproof. They're not. And that's been after 100 plus years. So if we expect that electric is going to come on board without all kinds of issues, we're insane. Well, no, the, the point is, is that how efficient fossil fuel is. It's oh, it, the it's absolutely. Energy. It's the most energy dense. And, and, and we can even nail that down to diesel. Diesel fuel is our most dense fuel we have available. Yeah, hands down, hands down. And, uh, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, all these people on the far left, they don't realize the wealth that, you know, fossil fuel energy brings to countries that don't have it. And, you know, if that goes away, you look at the amount of sickness and death that's going to occur. That That is a fact. Yeah, well, there, there's no doubt that, um, you know, uh, there are, most countries around the world can't depend on their own fossil fuels. They don't have them. They have to get them from someplace else. But when it comes right down to it, renewables are no different. Renewables are not plentiful everywhere in the world. There are some places that could never switch to renewables with our current technology. They don't have enough sun. They don't have enough wind. The interesting thing is we seem to be at the top of the pile for both. Like we have tons and tons of fossil fuels. We're never going to run out of our own fossil fuels more than most places in the world. And we're like in the top three for wind and solar in the world. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you know, then you'll, you know, then they're going to come back and say, well, you know, look at all this carbon, what it's doing to our environment. And, you know, this last hurricane, you know, how they spun that is so funny. Oh you know? my oh, God! We haven't seen <laughs> we, we haven't seen hurricanes this bad. Yeah, when you look at how long they've been tracking, what is it, a hundred, hundred and twenty years, and then you look at the life of the planet. That's not even a speck <laughs> no, of time. No, it's not. And and, and their data isn't clear at all. We, their data is not, the data does not show that this is getting worse. There might be a tiny little indication in the data that the storms have gotten a little more severe, but that's such a minor point, and you're right, it's such a short period of time. But in the last hundred years, the number of storms have gone down, not up. It's not getting worse. Correct. Correct. And, you know, the other thing you look at is like in Florida, how many people in the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years have moved there. Well, exactly. Uh, so the devastation, the devastation is greater because there's more people there. That's just a fact. Absolutely. Because if a hurricane comes through and there's no human beings there, who cares? It has no impact. Right. I mean, right. right. So, but put put millions and millions of people in one place like has happened in Florida. And yes, the death toll, the damage, the cost, all of it's going to go up. Of course it will. We never take any of that into account. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you look at or study some of, you know, like weather and weather patterns and what all affects that. And you try to find some books that, I, I mean, definitely that well, is... You know, to say that man has an effect, sure we do. Of course but we is do. It enough effect that it 
Well, wait. Is it enough effect that it changed the planet? Yes. Can't yes. Say that. But uh, well, I, I will. I'll I'll go out and say how could eight billion people or however many there are on the planet these days with all the things we do how could it not have an impact but the point is you can't change that what are you going to do about it we all have to live we have to eat we need energy we're not going to dramatically change the way we live we can't so sure it has an impact but let's look at this can you think of a single prediction They've either made about climate or how much oil we have left. Can you think of a single prediction they've ever made in the last 50 years that has been right? They've been completely wrong every time. Yeah, I mean, We're, not just not just a little wrong. No, like, uh, uh, I mean, 100%. ridiculously wrong. Like in the 70s, we were going to run out of fossil fuel long before now. And it turns out now yeah. we have more, way more than we thought we had 50 years ago. And they said we were going to run out. What happened to, aren't we all supposed to have cancer right now because of a big hole in the ozone layer? What the hell ever happened with that? <laughs> well, what's funny, remember in that book, what does he, what does he talk about? There's more people that die of coal, right? Uh, then heat. So if in fact the planet <laughs> did actually warm, actually well, would would be better for people because there would be more people that would survive. Well, we would also end up with more places on the planet that could grow food. There aren't that many places on the planet right now where it's easy to grow food. If you have longer, hotter seasons, Correct. that's what it takes to grow food. Long, hot seasons. As long as you have enough water, that's all that matters. But here was the other one. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, the climate change stuff was about we were going to have another ice age and we were all going to starve because you wouldn't be able to grow food. Yep. They were completely wrong yep. about that. I, I can go on and on about all the predictions that have been completely wrong. I can't think of a prediction they've made that was correct. No. How many you know, how many decades how many decades have we been hearing that Florida is just going to disappear underwater soon? Well, the shoreline hasn't even changed. Nope. Nope. I live on the Great Lakes, right? <clears throat> so Great Lakes water levels, you know, since they've been keeping track, you know, have varied three, four feet. You know, we just came off a period of high water now it's back down to normal water and so can anybody okay, explain so why how did that no no they don't know no where'd that water know. come from no one and where ever, did it go yeah where'd it come from? exactly so oh it's all draining to the ocean okay so then why didn't the ocean come up in level? yeah the ocean so, doesn't even change again, by like millimeters Uh-oh. Tim, did we lose you? There you are. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, but it's funny, though, because, you know, you read weather books, process of, that's a natural process, water on the earth, you know? Right. It's a natural process. 
how it develops, where it goes, and uh, what was it? I heard the best one of the best lines, Joe Rogan. They were talking about a shortage of water, and uh, we have a water problem. And what did Joe Rogan say? Oh, we know we got a salt problem. We got plenty of water on the planet, <laughs> and, and and we we don't and we don't have a salt problem either because salt is pretty uh, crucial to life. All we have to do is separate the two, and we know how. Right. Right. And the funny thing about water is what drives all those machines to produce water, <laughs> to pump to water. To pump water, to purify water, to filter water. Yeah, exactly. Fossil fuels. Yeah. yeah and that's, and that, you will never, I, I can't believe, even like on the other side, the Republican side, they don't combat that and say, listen, look at all the positive things fossil fuel does. Well, look at all I, the people. Just that statement alone. We make, we build wells, we pump water, uh, we purify water. Uh, just that alone. So here, here's something else we should be thinking about with this. You know, it, it, I do believe that at some point we will produce an electric vehicle that overall is more efficient than an internal combustion engine. I do believe that. We're not there yet. In fact, right now, you could easily make the claim, and it would be true, that every electric vehicle on the road right now is adding to our problem, not taking away from it, to adding to it. Electricity is not as efficient as fuel right now, and we're using coal to produce most of that electricity for those electric cars. So we made things worse, not better. And on top of that, all these well, electric cars, you have all the environmental issues about the batteries and disposal and mining. And so as of right now, people being so excited about all these electric cars on the road, they're making the problem worse. Not better. At well, some point, you, I hope they do. But here's, here's something else to think about. I do believe that when it comes to vehicles, tools, things that require motion, I believe that it will be better and more efficient. But what about heat? Electric heat is horribly inefficient compared to any kind of fuel, propane, gas, butane, you name all the fuels we can burn to produce heat. They're very efficient at it. If you've ever lived in a house with an electric, just pure electric heat, holy cow, you'll go broke. Yeah, 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 it's crazy. That that's yeah, not, it really and, is, and yeah, I don't, like, I, I don't see any technology coming along that would make electric heat any more efficient. No, I'm with you, Kevin. The free market should be the you know place where all this you know filters out. So here, uh, here, here's an example. And I, I, you know, we, we've said this before. So we have, um, you know, the new climate bill, the inflation reduction act, which is really a climate bill in disguise, um, extends and even increases the credits for solar on your home. And I've been looking for a tax break. I need one. We just, we don't have any. Um, so I got talking to my accountant and he said about the only thing left, he says, have you considered solar for your house? And I said, you know, I would love to have solar. And he said, there's a really big tax break and they just increased it again. 
And I said, all right, I'll go look at it. So I started looking. What a scam. Oh, my God, this is a disgusting industry. You fill out one form and you get 150 phone calls in the next 48 hours. I don't know who has access to that form you fill out, but I'm ready to throw my phone away. And then I got thinking, okay, I'll just pick one and I'll just do this and get it over with. Except when I went and started reading the reviews, there are horror stories. They told me I'd never have an electric bill again. My electric bill only went down by 40 bucks a month, but I have this huge payment on my solar now that's going to take me 25 years to pay off, and I'm not saving any money, and my equipment is... There are nothing but horror stories about this. Now, I don't want to get solar at all, because I don't know who I can trust. Well, you know, Elon Musk, what's his theory is that you know each home will be its own uh, power station I love and, that uh, idea that's his, yeah that's his that's his theory on the fix and that is great it, you know, especially you know new construction you know that the, in the home and but all these all these existing places that's going to be well, somewhat the, and there's a there's another you're right with existing homes many of them many can't use solar at all they don't have enough sun exposure yeah yeah but uh i like like i said the free market will decide hopefully where that goes and and uh like the technology i like the electric technology i think it's awesome and uh just don't want to be told that we have to use it. Oh, it, you, know? you know, I will I will say I'm finding a, a, a I'm not going to say it's an unknown downside. We knew about it, but it's it's not as good as I thought it should be. And what I'm talking about is battery life on like the lawn tools and the power tools. I'm having batteries die within a couple years, like not even usable anymore. And I thought these things were supposed to have like thousands yeah. of recharge cycles. Well, that's that is the issue. You have because I'm the same way. I got a bunch of battery tools, and you know you charge them. People charge their time. If you don't use them, they will lose charge. Then you recharge them, and then I'm the same way. I'm surprised. All of a sudden, a couple years go by, three years go by, and you haven't really used that tool a lot or that battery a lot. All of a sudden, it won't take a charge. Yeah. Or it's I, not a problem. It won't, you know, you know, and uh, and it's not, you know, there's that little hat you can jump them because a lot of those charges have to sense voltage before they'll charge. And if they don't, uh, then they won't charge. So there's a little hat you can jump them. But even right. then, you know, you it, get something... Died, you get one spell that goes bad, and then the whole thing is junk. And well, then nowadays, the battery costs as much as the tool. Sometimes more. Sometimes more. And yeah, you, you can't always find the tool without the battery locally. I mean, you can always go online and order stuff like that. But, you know, I needed a, a weed whacker the other day because I just wore mine out. And I, I have more batteries than I know what to do with. Um, although two of them have died. So, the, you know, I bought, started buying these about two and a half, three years ago. Two of my batteries are toast, had to get rid of them completely. Um, but there are times when I don't want another battery. Just sell me the tool, and a lot of times you can't find it. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like it's opposite now. They they make you buy the battery and give you the tool free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, buy the batteries, tool included. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I, I was at a store the other day, and that's exactly what it was. They had a particular tool with a battery was one price, and then they had just the battery. The battery was the same price all by itself. I know. The battery right. and the tool. Right. And the well, and when, when you look at these yeah. tools, the tools are ridiculously simple and cheap to make now. The tool itself is so simple, there's almost nothing to it. And it's the battery that that is really important now. And I, like I said, I, I'm actually a little disappointed. I thought these batteries were going to last longer than they have been. Although I will tell you, I took your advice. I bought a three-quarter inch Milwaukee oh. Impact tool. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. And then it, uh, I got a little greedy and had to go back and get the half inch as well. Yeah. And well, I will tell you, the half inch... And a half inch has almost as much torque as the three quarter. I use that tool regularly, almost daily. It's a phenomenal tool. Yep, I I use my half inch constantly, and the three quarters only comes out for pretty big jobs. Yeah, it's uh, and again, you know, it's got a lot of battery life. You know, for, with the bigger battery and. Uh, but great tool, and I like the technology. Now all my air stuff sits in a drawer. <laughs> I know, but so much better than firing up the compressor and dragging out hoses. And uh, when I'm on the road, I mean, trying to run air tools on the road was a total pain in the ass. Most of the time, I didn't even take them. It's just they take up too much space, too much trouble. Now with these electric impact, boy, I just love these things. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, most people, you'll see, like, people trying to sell off their air tools. I know, <laughs> I mean, right. There's, like, no market. No, there's no market. Who would want yeah, them now? No yeah, I'm like, well, I'll just sell these. I'm like, I'll, I'll just leave them in the drawer. Yeah. So, yeah, not the, even worth it. They'll, they'll, they'll be nostalgic someday. Yeah, collector's items. Right. So, anyway. That's all I have for today. All right. That's all I need. Thanks for the call. Let's roll right on to Illinois. John, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. I've got a 2014 386 Peterbilt glider kit, and it's got a big moose scooter on the front. I was wondering what kind of, you know, what's it hurting on fuel mileage? So roughly, and I swear we use this number so often and when it comes to fuel economy, and, and I, one of the reasons we use this number a lot is it's about the lowest number we can actually measure pretty accurately, and it's about three-tenths. Anything lower than that becomes noise, and it becomes hard to measure. Um, three to four-tenths on a lot of these um, moose bumpers, I don't know if I could go back and find it. Jackie Wormley, um, she had been working on fuel economy for years, and she's on a contract run 
um, up in uh, Montana, Wyoming, up there, and lots and lots of livestock on the roads and, you know, wild animals. And so she broke down and put it on, and she documented it really well. And I, I think it was right around two or three tenths. So it's one of those things that oh, really? if, if you thought you were going to hit something like once every 18 months or so, even all the way up to about once every two years, uh, it actually does pay for itself. By the time you look at your insurance deduct- deductibles, the downtime, the hassle, um, if you run in an area where you can reasonably expect there's a pretty good chance you're going to hit something, they may be worth it. Okay, well, I probably knock on some wood before I say this, but in 30 years of driving a truck, I've never hit it here. See, that's, <laughs> that's kind of... My point is, if that's you, we could look at it one way in that you're probably due, so it could happen at some point, just the <laughs> odds, but um, I'm the same way. I never hit a, an animal with a commercial vehicle, and I've hit one um, in a personal vehicle, and it was actually not far from where I live now, but I didn't live here at the time. I lived in Florida, uh, but I was in Oregon on vacation. And I was out at the coast, and we came back through Tillamook County. Tillamook has more cows than people, and they have an awful lot of deer. And that's a two-lane coming out of there for right. a long way. And I wiped out a minivan, a rental. Um, never even, I barely saw the deer. The, the trees are right up against the road there. And it jumped out, and I caught it midair. Um, but that's the only one I've hit in, you know, 40 plus years of driving. Right. And that, you know, and I used to run a lot of the Northwest, uh, and I just, I don't know, you know, I've never been one to swerve or hit my brakes or nothing. You know, if I'm going to hit it, I'm going to hit it. I'm, right. I'm going to stay right. on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? And, and somehow I've just been, I've just been lucky over the years or whatever, but I've never, never had no problems. But uh, my insurance, they say, if I got it, there won't be a deductible on a deer hit. So I, you know, I wouldn't have a deductible anyway, but you know, it's, it's a pretty small uh, amount of, of gain in fuel mileage really. So, you know, uh, it, I don't know. It, based on your situation, I would not run one. Right. Yeah. I mean, in now I pretty much just run right here in the Midwest. So it ain't like I'm in a, an area where I, there's a lot of deer, you know, I remember back when they used to migrate, you know, we'd go through highway 30 through Wyoming, man, there would be, sometimes you'd stand there, you know, go down the road, you'd see 30 of them standing on the side of the road. You know, I, I do tend to see, you know, quite a bit of, of, uh, animal activity in the West, um, you know, going through Wyoming, you see all kinds of antelope and, but I, I will say that right. in all my years of driving, hands down if it were just talking about deer no place even comes close to pennsylvania i mean i have seen more deer in my lifetime in pennsylvania than anywhere there i see more deer than i see dogs in that state and that was where i did the majority of my driving i lived in northeast ohio and i went to the east coast all the time so it was you know 300 miles through pennsylvania or whatever it is long way across there uh, and back. And that was my run every single week. And you saw thousands of deer 
Never even come close <laughs> to hitting one in Pennsylvania, though. Never even had a close call. Right. Well, I'm starting to run out of things to do for fuel mileage. I know there's a lot of them, <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking maybe uh, take maybe it off put and a see what happens. On and, yeah. Right. Right. I, I'll take it off, run for a month. But right now, I'm setting it at seven point eight three. Uh, full of drive in, yeah. and I also have a step deck Conestoga. And the problem I run in with it is it's a 48 foot, it's got an 8 foot upper, and it's got a 16 inch pin setting. I mean, that thing is a it, the, the fifth wheel sets <laughs> behind my rear axle, yeah. So it's a mile back there, and yeah. I'm guessing probably the only thing to really help there would be air tabs. I'm not sh- They might help a little, but the the problem with air tabs is they, they can't fix a big gap. So, you know, when you create well, a, a really big gap, you end up with two different aerodynamic problems. One, right behind the cab, you create that vacuum, but then you have so much space after the vacuum, the air curls back in and then hits the front of the trailer. So the air tabs would solve the vacuum issue, but they're not going to, to fill that gap. So, you know, it certainly doesn't hurt to put them on. They're not very expensive. Any gain you get would help. Um, but I, I you know, w- pulling your van, that, that bumper might be enough to put you over eight. You're close enough. Right. And then I'd, I'd probably run it for, you know, a month, kind of get an idea maybe of what what it helped me. And then uh, I don't have a tray system underneath my trailer. I think that would be my next step, would do a tray system on the drive and uh, the, the step deck does have a bubble on the front, at least, to kind of, you know, that cone. That, that helps significantly. Help. Yeah, it does. That That's, a, that's yeah. actually a big improvement. It, it's not a real big one because it's got the front access door too, so it can't come down real far. But it's it's something to help anyway. Right. But well, all right. Well, that's that's about all I had there. I'm just you know, trying to get as much as I can out of it. There you go. All right. Let us know. I have a feeling that might put you over eight. Let's go to Virginia Elliott. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Good. What can I help you with today? Yeah, um, a long time ago, you, you said something about it, like three things you had you should invest in. I'm 28, but I'm getting ready to set up an investment account, figure out I might as well go ahead and start. But I wanted to ask you what you need to start investing. It was like three things I remember, but it's been so long ago. Yeah, I can help you with that. So what we're talking about here are index mutual funds. So are you familiar with what mutual funds are? Not really. Okay. So when we talk about investing in the stock market, that's a generic term. The stock market has lots and lots of pieces. So we could buy stock in an individual company. Like if we wanted to buy stock in Tesla, we could do that, or General Motors or Apple or Google or whoever. If they're a publicly traded company, we can buy their stock. And then if we hold that stock, if that company becomes more valuable, that's how we gain money in the stock market. The, the price of the stock we bought goes up. 
buying individual stocks is a really bad idea for individual investors. There's way too much risk. It's too complicated. I, I do not believe that most people, individuals, should be buying individual stock. So instead, what we do is we buy mutual funds. Now, a mutual fund is a group of stocks, and it could be thousands of them. There are now, this is the crazy thing, there are now more mutual funds on the stock market than there are individual stocks. But all mutual funds are made up of individual stocks. But there's now more of them. It's, so it, that can get fairly complicated. Like, okay, which mutual fund do I pick? And the reason we pick a mutual fund is let's take the S&P 500. That's one of the index funds I recommend. I know you don't know this, but I want you to take a wild guess and you just might be correct. How many individual stocks do you think there might be in the S&P 500? Guess 500. There you go. See, you know more about investing than you thought. There's 500 individual companies in the S&P 500. And if we buy a share, just one share of the S&P 500, we own a tiny piece of all 500 of those companies. So if you were to buy Tesla, for example, and we find out that Tesla's been cheating on their technology forever, um, could their stock price take a hit? Yeah. Is it possible that the company could go out of business completely? Yeah. Yep, it absolutely is. It happens all the time. Remember Enron? Enron was a huge company that lots and lots of people owned their stock. The company went out of business. If you invested... I'm just going to pick a dollar amount. If you invested $100,000 into Enron, how much did you have left at the end? Zero, right? Zero. You lost it all, every penny. Now, what are the odds that all 500 companies in the S&P 500 are going to go out of business? It's virtually impossible. Yeah, virtually impossible. If all five, if it happened, we'd have far worse problems than what happened to our mutual fund. It's not going to happen. That's why they're so much less risky. You don't want to invest in individual stocks. So we invest in mutual funds. There's so many of them. How do we pick? Well, index mutual funds are very specific. So here's how a mutual fund works. Um, like I said, there's more mutual funds than there are stocks. In a mutual fund, somebody has to decide what stocks are we going to buy? What stocks are we going to sell? When are we going to buy them? When are we going to sell them? How much of them should we buy? How much of them should we sell? That's the fund manager. Now, in a non-index fund, I'll explain index funds in a second. Right now, I'm talking about non-index funds, traditional mutual funds. The fund manager is... Um, without a doubt, a millionaire. They all are. Anybody that gets to the point where they're managing a mutual fund gets paid an awful lot of money. 
These are the people on Wall Street. Um, ridiculous amounts of money. Here's the crazy thing. They get paid ridiculous amounts of money, and they're below average. We can prove it. Their job performance consistently is below average, and yet they make incredible amounts of money. How do we know they're below average? Because we have averages. The Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500 that we measure and we see what it does every single day, these mutual funds that are managed by people, not, this is a, a statistic, you can go look it up. In most years, 90% of the managed mutual funds can't match the performance of the S&P 500. There is no human involvement in the S&P 500. It's a set list. It almost never changes. When it does change, it's just one company gets moved out, one company gets moved in, and it doesn't happen very often. So nobody decides what to buy and sell, and yet that fund with no human intervention beats 90% of the funds that are managed by humans every year. So why would we try to guess the 10% of the mutual funds that might beat the S&P 500? Why not just buy the S&P 500 and be done with it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I got another question about, because uh, I went to the Fidelity, familiar with those? Yes. Uh, do I have to have a lump sum to buy one stock, or could I just you know put $100 a week or $100 a month or they, whatever I want to do? Every mutual keep, fund... Keep throwing it in there. Yeah, every mutual fund will have some minimums. Those minimums have come way down over the years. You used to have to have several thousand dollars just to get into a mutual fund. Now, I, I know places where you can do it for 100 bucks. Some have a $500 minimum. So that I don't remember what Fidelity's is. Um, but So that's what you're going to do, though. You're going to open an account with a mutual fund company like Fidelity. Um, Fidelity does offer all three of the mutual funds I'm going to recommend. Not all mutual fund companies do, but and employer plans almost never do. Employer plans might only offer you five or six different mutual funds, and that's it. That's all you get to pick from when there's like 14,000 of them on the market. And these employer plans never seem to have index funds for some reason. So, but if, if you are at Fidelity, you would get the S&P 500 index fund. These are the ones you want to write down. So I'm telling you the fund names right now. All right. Then you're going to get at Fidelity, you would get a Russell 2000. How many stocks? I know you don't know this stuff, but I want you to take a wild guess. You might get lucky. How many stocks are in the Russell 2000? Yes, 2,000 companies. When you buy a share, one share of the Russell 2000 index fund, you now own a small piece of 2,000 companies. So we already had 500 in the S&P 500. We're adding 2,000. What are the odds that all 2,500 companies are going out of business? They're not. That's why. Yeah. Um, You could actually stop there. Two would, would be a great place to get started. I do mention another fund um, that kind of balances it out a little bit. 
and it's a European and Asian fund. So this is a, a fund that's going to invest in companies that are in Europe and Asia, uh, but in the emerging parts of those markets. So it, it's a little more volatile, um, but it's a nice balance because sometimes the American economy is not doing great. They may be doing better. So that's the third one I like to have, and it's going to be called an EFA, E-A-F-A, European and Asian Fund. I forget what the last word was, uh, but you, you'll see that. And you could always call them. If you can't find it, call the number on there and tell them that's what you're looking for, European and Asian Fund. So it's the S&P 500 the Russell 2000, and uh, EFA, European and Asian Fund. All right. Uh, one thing about the app, too. Oh. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, you're there. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the app, like, seems like when I listen to you live, it'll play for, like, five to ten seconds and then stop for 15, 20 seconds and play five to ten seconds and stop again. Just keeps doing that every time I listen to you live. Well, that seems odd. I don't think I've heard that problem. Yeah. Are you in an area I with poor internet? Oh, no. You've, so you've got no, good got connection. Everything. Um, I would probably call our tribe care team and have them work through that. They may have you on it. Have you ever dr- just tried uninstalling the app and reinstalling? I was thinking about doing that. I, I would try that sometimes, that. especially in the beginning when we keep pushing out updates constantly. Sometimes it just helps to get the old app out and then just start with the new one, the latest version. Right. And if that doesn't right, help, then, then, yeah, then call our tribe care team. They'll get you taken care of. All right. Well, thanks for your help. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Calls are flying in now. Let's go to Idaho. Sean, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, I have a 2012 Freightliner Cascadia. It's a mid-roof. There's no fairings on it. That's just the way I, I just bought it outright for a good price a couple of years ago because I put a flatbed on it and used it for our RV hauler. Okay. But then I put it back out on the road recently and... Um, some days it gets about seven miles per gallon, but some days if I have any headwind at all, it, it tanks to like five and a half. Yeah. And I was wondering is if it would be worth to put fairings on it, it'll be a yes. few thousand dollars plus the labor. Well, where, where did you get that estimate from? Is that all new parts? Uh, yeah, that's just searching around online. I haven't actually got, I'm guessing if I could actually try to do it through the dealer, it'd be even more from what, what I've been dealing with lately. So so where were you looking for those parts? Just online, like at the, the and then there's a local, uh, like a salvage yard okay. in Utah. So, yeah, so you're looking for used parts. So there parts are some then. used yeah. ones. And, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it will, okay. But it, I've also seen some new ones that are pri- pri- just primered. So. It will cost yeah. you significantly more to get new parts. You can do this but for about okay. half sometimes by shopping around and finding used parts, but it would be worth it. Even, okay. it, even if you had to do it with all new parts, you are losing on, right. on any day. You're losing a half mile per gallon without this on a really heavy headwind. You're losing a mile per gallon plus. So yeah, it, it's absolutely worth it right. to get that fixed. Uh, and that should be the first thing then. 
over any other because yeah, everything yeah, else. Is. I think so. Now, is is the van trailer okay. yours? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, they're all it's reefers and drive vans. They're all drop and hook uh, thing we got going on. So oh well, it's, but so it's not your trailer. Oh, I see. Yeah, no, we switch trailers oh, too yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. there's I, too much switching. I was gonna say if I were in this situation and I had a tractor missing the fairings I needed and the van trailer was mine. I might start with that um, leading edge. I don't even know if they're still making that over at Smart Truck or if anybody picked that up. I need to go look at that. Um, but nose cones and the leading edge are pretty inexpensive, and they actually make a pretty big improvement. Right. So I, if it were, it doesn't matter because this isn't your trailer. If it were me, I would do that first. I would measure the improvement. Then I would still put the fairing on the tractor and the two together really make a, a big improvement. But it's not your trailer. Right, so right. yeah, get, get the fairings installed. Absolutely. Okay. And the roof, what is that? Roof spoiler? Is that what it's called? Um, because it is a mid roof. So I think that's, part of the biggest issue so yeah you don't want um, any of those okay. those wing type devices you want full factory fairing right right okay great yeah and we also we have a we have a little small fleet of six trucks and we do the catalyst on all of them and it seems to be we don't have much emission issues anymore so it's pretty Excellent. nice just to Excellent. give a heads up on that yep good for and the, we got a bump uh-oh Lost you. Thanks for the feedback on that. I appreciate it. Let's uh, let's go to Missouri. Dale, welcome to the program. Hey, Kev. Uh, that old solar thing you, you talked about, that's why I called. But one thing I didn't want to say with the F, I, I have really good uh, coverage where I'm at. I run up and down I-44 between Springfield, Missouri, and St. Louis and back. But uh, a lot of days when I'm listening to you, if I'm not on hold, that that uh, bar goes all the way across where it says live and it's showing how long the show goes. Yeah. When it, it'll get to the other end, you're, you're in the mid-sentence, and it just cuts me off. Huh. And it goes to uh, like a repeat show. I wonder like why. Like the pit or something like that. Yeah. It'll just start playing. I don't know. But no. that's – anyways, other than that, uh, you're trying to get – things figured out so that's just part of the deal but um i tried i built a new house and uh i designed it myself to be a in a an efficient house both to build plumb wire everything yeah and uh split level 2800 square feet uh lower bathrooms above the master bathroom i mean literally when you come out of my garage you, the mechanical room is in the garage. You go through that wall. There's a washer and dryer and a half bath. You go through that wall. There's the master bath. Directly below that, there's the downstairs bath. So the only <laughs> long-range plumbing I even have goes across to my refrigerator, my dishwasher right. sink, and then straight down to my wet bar sink downstairs. I mean, Why, why don't more people but, think like this? I don't know. And then uh, to, to be even more ignorant in the downstairs bath, because literally all the plumbing meets there. I've got an acoustical drop ceiling in there, so I could just take it apart. if I ever need to. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, 
my my house the it's got a 50 foot front porch i live out in the country so it's a good front porch neighborhood i'll call it it's kind of like tillamook we got cattle per acre not people yeah right and yeah. uh so so the, the long ways the sun rises in the east and sets in the west so i got this long east west 70 feet of uh roof yeah and i wanted to put solar on there and the more i look into it I think, like you, I think it's the biggest scam horse's ass deal out there. Because when you look at what it costs and what you get back, I would literally, because I would have to stay in my house for so long, the system would be completely worn out if I put zero maintenance into it by the time I got my money back. Right. But I was wondering if a guy bought, because the installation on that stuff is very expensive, what if a guy bought his own solar panels and build his own system, then could you make up the difference? I, I don't know. And, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed in all this. I, you know, finally thought we were, you know, getting to that point and several benefits. You know, to me, it wasn't a huge cost issue. I, I'm not too concerned about the cost of electricity or heat or any well, of that I'm stuff for me. I'm worried about the ROI. Is it, is it, is it well, worth it? Right. So that was my that was what I was looking at. But if, you know, if I had to spend a little extra money to have solar, I'd be okay with that because there's a huge advantage to it. If the power goes out, I'm not out of power. I mean, that that's a big, big deal for me. I, I love that part of solar, but I don't want it to be outrageously expensive. And it looks like it would be. It doesn't look like there's any savings no, I, whatsoever. And, you know, I, I, where I live right now, I have a big roof, big, uh, you know, 6,000 square feet of house. So it's a lot of roof, and it has pure sunshine in the summertime. The winter's the opposite, though. We almost never see the sun in the wintertime. So when I try to ask them about that, they, you just get a big runaround. They just want to talk around you. And I'm like, they're going, oh, you're like the perfect candidate for solar. I'm like, no, I'm not. I have four or five months out of the year where I don't see the sun. No, don't worry about it. The right. panels Half still the work. And Well, no, wait a minute. They don't work. I have solar panels right now. I've been experimenting with them for years. Most time in the, in the wintertime, you get zero energy out of those solar panels. Well, now, where I live, the county that I live in, the electric co-op I'm on, uh, our power is pretty cheap. But I do know some people that live down in Carthage, which is near getting close to the Oklahoma state line. Yeah. And where Oklahoma and Kansas meets, it's down in extreme southwest Missouri. And now they put solar on their house, but their electric down there is so expensive, it's ridiculous. And they love it. But I don't, and I've talked to some people around here, and we all kind of, you know, you can't just talk to anybody and decide that what they say is just the way to go. But you got to know your audience, people of reasonable intelligence that actually look into things. And, and uh, our power is cheap enough here. Solar it, is not worth it. But down there where they live, I mean, their their electrical bill down there, we're talking eight years ago. They was on a they got a, a 1,400 square foot ranch house and that, their electric was up to like. Three hundred and some dollars. Oh, yeah, that's a lot. Month or a hot month. Yeah, that's a hell, lot. This, hell, this house I built, I built it real efficient. I put a dual fuel, high efficiency heat and air system for the upstairs, and a whole separate unit for the downstairs. 
and uh, even when we was uh, running hundred degree weather here, my my worst. Plus, I got three meters and they're twenty three dollars a piece, and I got a thirty forty shop, and I'm running my well. That's my three meters. That's uh, my worst electric bill is one hundred ninety seven dollars. Yeah, yeah. So. <sighs> If here's the other thing, if there were no credits, if there were no government credits, tax breaks, all that stuff, this would be a whole different world when it comes to solar. I would be on the phone all day long just trying to find somebody to come out and install solar where I live, just like everything else. I can't get anybody out here. But because there's so much tax money right. involved, I'm, I'm ready to throw my phone away because so many companies are blowing up my phone because I looked into this. That, that's the problem here. Yep. Get rid of all that damn tax money and the, the industry will straighten itself out. But until it does, I don't want to buy solar. I, 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 don't, I don't trust any of these companies. They all seem like scams to me. Hey, do you got a, do you have a, is your house got an attic or are you a flat roof? What do you, what, what, what's your situation on that? I have no attic. We have very, very high pitched ceilings. So I, I don't have any ductwork either. Um, well, in a small part of the house, I have some ductwork, the original part of the house. Um, everything I've added on, we did um, in-floor heat, uh, which is propane, and we did mini splits yeah. uh, for AC. So we have no ductwork. We have high-pitched flat roofs, or not flat, but uh, no ductwork, no attic. Do you want to know, do you know what I think would be a, and I haven't done this, and I, I probably want to cut one in just to try it. But if uh, you like testing things, and you're, you're, you're a pretty smart fellow, your own self. So imagine if a guy had, uh, like my house has got a seven and a half, 12. If a guy went and took PVC pipe, say about two inch round the ID, and ran that up and down that roof all the way up and down and up and down, up, down, up, down. And then on one end of the house, ran that down to the floor and put an inlet hole on it and hooked like a uh, bath fan sized motor to it and ran that up. And on the other end of that room, just put a four inch round vent into the, into the room. So you're sucking the cool air off the floor, running it up in the attic right under that. Like my roof is actually a black color, my architecture angle up and down that pipe and that pipe that I think it would get too hot in your house over the course of a sunny day, even where I live where it can get down to, well, last winter we had a, a really weird record of 13 below zero, but yeah. typically here we're, we're around, we're around between about, I'd say we would average, uh, I don't know, 20 degrees through the winter every day. Yeah. I think that would get too hot. Yeah, it might. That's, yeah, that's an interesting thought. You know, they, they used systems similar to that in Florida for heating your pool. Basically just run, you know, you're just capturing the solar heat itself, not even converting it to energy. You just use the hot water itself. Oh, yeah. Right. Not even in a black pipe, but if you take a quality thick rubber garden hose and you leave that full of water, I, even in the wintertime, and you turn the sprayer on, it's it'll pretty burn hot. You. Yeah, it gets pretty that, darn that's hot. In a, right. That's in a green oak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that I think that'd work all day long. You know, it, and it'd be exponentially cheaper than solar. Yeah. You know, we, we've, uh, when it comes to these kind of building ideas, we're pretty lazy. 
because we we basically have cheap utilities for the most part and you know we haven't really put a lot of effort into these other methods i found out and i found out a little too late um, when i installed my in-floor heating that if it's installed right it could technically be used for cooling but I didn't know that, and my installer did obviously didn't know it because they never mentioned it. But for just a, if I would have spent just a little bit more, I could have set it up, and it would have really helped my cooling in the uh, in the summer as well as heating in the winter. But I would never build a, unless some new technology comes along. I would never change from this. The in floor heat, I absolutely love it. Warm on your feet. Yeah, um, they say. No, they say it's the most luxurious heat oh, ever. There's no oh, cold spots. No noise. No noise. No wind. No, you know, no nothing. And it's just evenly warm. It's just very, very comfortable. And then the mini splits really are just amazing. And in, I now have, you know, customizable heat and cold in every room. I mean, I can customize every room for heat um, and cold. Do you... Uh, that other property you bought across the river, do you think you and your wife will build a house there for yourself? Uh, yeah, I think eventually we will. Here's here's the there there's been a change recently. So there were two lots over there. We there were actually three. We bought two of them because the third one was a giant hole and it was going to need a bunch of fill, and we negotiated. Uh, we bought the two lots and negotiated first right of refusal on the third. Like he couldn't sell the third lot without without offering yeah, without it to us first. So we thought we were pretty safe right. with that. Um, one of the things I didn't think of, he actually, the whole property is about eight or nine acres. We have um, one acre. Each lot's about a half acre. Or do we have two? We have two, lot, two acres. Um, he has a house on there currently, the owner. He's been there 30 some years. What we just found out, we went over there just to check on yeah. our property, and I see that the third lot's being filled in, and I'm like, I wonder why they're doing that. And it turns out he's going to build his own house on that lot. He doesn't have to offer it to us first. He's just keeping it, and he's going to build on it himself, Right. and he's going to turn his other property into like a uh, Airbnb kind of thing. So our original plan was ah. we were... We were hoping to buy out the whole, I think it might be nine acres total. We wanted to buy the whole thing. And then absolutely we right. would have put a house over there for ourselves. And we may still, I, 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 we, we may just turn the place we're in right now into a, a full-time, you know, vacation rental and build over there. But uh, we'll see. Um, if, if we really, if, if prices I, come way down during this um this recession we're heading into, we may do it, you know, in the next year or two. I don't know. We'll see. Well, reason why I'm asking, I built, I'm in, my wife's going to be 50 next year. I'm 54. So I built a, a, a pretty big house out in the country. Do your research in my area. Yours is totally different in town. I would have probably went about 3,800 square feet, but where I live 2,800 square foot out in the country, six and a half acres, a one-acre pond, 30-by-40 shop. Nice. Put a horse stall in there, and I got a little two-acre field fenced in the back. Oh, yeah. This is a resale property. Absolutely. Because we got rental property. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But 
years ago, I designed a house, and this girl, my son went to college with, she's an architectural engineer. And uh, she told me, and I went and I talked to her, and I'm very mechanical, but I've never been to college. I don't have the education to make my ideas work for sure. <laughs> right. But I designed a house that even in the Midwest, she said it would actually heat itself. And then question, are you sure you've never been to college? And I was like, no, but <laughs> what I designed was, and it's something you might think about. You like to, you like to grow plants and stuff. I do too. So this house I designed would have, uh, it, it had been what I call a ranch house, a shotgun house straight one way down, you know, yeah. there would be a garage and then between the house and the garage, there would be an atrium, and that that roof line would be the lowest spot in the house. Okay. The lowest roof line in the house would be sunken. Frost line is uh, 18 inches here, so I was going to go four feet up out of the ground with a uh, two-feet thick concrete wall. Okay. And then I would berm up to the concrete out 18 inches and then berm down away from it. That way, that, that can never get cold. I can always grow plants in the wintertime, no matter if it's zero degrees. Yeah. Then uh, from the, that four-foot wall up over the roof and down one piece, it'd be sections, I was going to put 180-degree glass. That's glass that will retain 180 degrees of heat. Wow. Right? So okay. in the summertime, you got to put a roll shade on that to shut it off. Right. Because you'll cook everything in there. <laughs> right. Then I was going to run a rectangle. I was going to run a, um, a duct up in the, the eave of that into the house and run that through a full beam and have heat vents in there. Yeah. I wanted that, the fan that would run through that to be powered by a solar panel so it would only run during the day and it would shut off at night and run a thermostat on it so what? the atrium heats the house all day. Right. Yeah, and then the return would come through the bottom. What a great and, idea. Uh, I was showing her my design. Well, and I showed her that, and she's like, this will work. This no, this will work. She goes, I'll I'll design that. I'll engineer this house for you, and then I never ended up building it. Yeah, no, but, that's uh, a great idea. Just something to think about. Love that. You got all your plants there. There's no bugs. Yeah, I mean the whole thing. You can yeah. grow all your produce all year round, right in your house. Love that. But anyways, there's that. There you go. All right. Good stuff, Dale. Thanks for the call. We're going to roll on to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, just I hope that guy's still listening with the mutual funds you were explaining. A lot of these uh, a lot of these brokerage houses like Vanguard, who I'm with, or Fidelity, they have what they call now as ETFs. Um, cause some of them do require $3,000 to get into a mutual fund, but you can buy shares of the same mutual fund and the ETF. So you do the ETF for the S and P 500. Yeah. That's so called you built up to $3,000. Yep. And great, then, great and advice. Then, uh, transfer it those over. are, those are exchange traded funds. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, it's easy to just say ETF. ETF right. They're marketed yeah. at. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's what I'm doing with my son right now, who is 19. I'm setting him up a retirement account. Good. So, um, yeah, he bought a computer. Well, he asked me to, he's got a job and he asked me about saving for a computer. I told him, I'll buy the computing. You pay me $200 a month. And um, it was a pretty high end computer. So what I did was I opened up a fund for him and I told him that $200 a month goes in there. Good. Good. Love that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, 
Um, <clears throat> my uh, boy, did I do myself in up in New York? Uh, <laughs> ran into some friends, and I'm about seven and a half pounds heavier. Oh boy! Yep. Isn't it crazy oh, yeah. how fast oh, that can my happen? Goodness. Oh, listen. I mean, between drinking and I, I met some people that I just haven't seen in a long time, and uh, eating and uh, the, so, the New York food just did me in. So let me ask you something. There was a time in yeah. your life where that was just normal, right? Every day, isn't every it, day. Isn't it crazy? I tell people I, I it cost it cost me thousands of dollars to make it to three hundred pounds. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It wasn't McDonald's. That's it right. was you know it was high end scotches. It was yeah. high, end, high end restaurants. Exactly. That was my and and as I got older, my metabolism changed or my lack of doing things change and I just went from two two twenty to two thirty, then I went to two thirty to two forty and I was in there for a while, then two fifty and and it just gradually over, you know, twenty years and, just packed on more and more. And isn't it horrible how bad you feel? Well, you know, uh, yes, it's really my, my energy levels. Um, I didn't, I don't have a lot of digestive issues, thank God. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't wear the watch. I, you know, I was going out to places. I wanted a, a little bit more of a high end look instead of this watch. So, um, I wore one of my design, you know, one of the watches I got when I was, yeah, had a bunch of trucks, you know? So anyway, um, but you know, like I said, I, 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 made it a point to look up some old friends that are, are very old and I wanted to, you know, just have a, have a dinner with them and stuff like that. So I did indulge a lot more than I thought I would, um, which was a good thing. You know, I had a yeah, good time. Right. So that was good. Yeah. Um, got back Wednesday night late Thursday. I did the protocol Friday. I had a Monday, uh, just one of those yeah. awful Fridays trying to load. And then uh, Saturday and Sunday did the protocol. I woke up this morning with a body ba- body battery of twenty nine. Ooh, so ooh. I am. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. But I think that's the whole thing. I'm also my son got a little bit of a head cold. I think I'm fighting that now. So I think that did me in a little bit the last two nights as well. You know, it, it's interesting. So. We've talked about this in the past. So when I got sick when I was on the road this last time, first time I've been sick in eight years. And, you know, I, I had mentioned yep. that I had stopped supplementing on that trip. It was just an experiment. So I'm sure that was a factor. But the other factor was I was drinking again. Same thing. I was back, you know, my hometown. So, I was, you know, friends knew where I were. They'd stop over the RV. So I was drinking and I got sick. And, and I have a feeling it was all yep. of it. it. It was all of it. Had I, had yep. I not done any of those things, I doubt that I would have gotten sick. Um, that it, it, that was just a big wake up call for me. It's just not worth it. You know, the, the alcohol, it only, that's a, that's a tough one. You know, it's so many years I enjoyed it, really enjoyed it. And I, I still think that I want to enjoy it like that, but I, I, I don't. So it, it's, well, you see, it's so few and far between. I do too. I I do too, but it's just not worth it. Yeah, there's a little Irish pub I used to frequent all the time in Staten Island. And when I go in there, all the all the bartenders know me. And they don't, when I order a scotch, they don't give me 
they gave me a glass full pretty much. You're right. So it's, it's insane, you know, yeah. and I used to have the tolerance level for that. And I guess I still do to some degree, but, but yeah. I, it, it definitely wore me down over the five days and then getting back and, yeah. um, and it, it's getting back into it. Yeah. It's, it's, Tough to recover from. You know, I, I was shocked. Yeah. We, we've heard all these years, virtually my whole life, um, two servings of alcohol for a male is can be healthy, one serving a day for a female. Yep. Bullshit. Right. I, absolute, oh, I total bullshit. Nothing about alcohol. Yep. I don't care if it's red wine and it has resveratrol in it. Nothing in alcohol is good for us. I have measured so many things, well, and nothing, nothing will screw up um, things like blood sugar and energy levels and stress markers, and nothing has a bigger impact on those markers than alcohol, a bigger negative impact than well, alcohol. Another thing I saw, um, the first, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, the HRV didn't come on. Now, it was recording what I had the night before, but it popped up Sunday, and I was unbalanced in my HRV. Yeah. And I'm still unbalanced. Yeah. So that, I that, need probably another week or so to be. And I, the only thing I did on, on vacation was my father-in-law took some of my advice. He's using the DK drops, and he's using the light balance. So I did that every day in my coffee prior to the anarchy yeah. I put myself through <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. But, uh, it's crazy how bad alcohol screws all those numbers up and how long it takes to recover. Just two glasses of wine yeah. make a mess of my blood sugar for about 24 hours. Yep, yep. Well, I told my wife I stepped on the scale prior and to leave Friday morning, and I. I got home Friday night. I was in no mood to even associate with anyone <laughs> the day I had. I had a guy hit my truck. Uh, it was just, like I said, it was just a yeah. Friday. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, everything is going to be fine. But anyway, what do you mean? I says, what, today? And I said, no. I said, I'm eight pounds heavier. He <laughs> says, what? Because I knew you were eating a lot. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I said, you know. No drinking, no, no. I says, I'm back on the straight and narrow. She says, the tribe should know about you. I say, they will. Yeah, that's will. right. We, 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 we talk about it. You know what, though? We could have 40 people come on here and share these stories, and the 41st is still going to do it to themselves. Yep. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, real quick, I, uh, I tried to dive into this commitment to America that the Republicans are trying to uh, pass. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's all fluff. It it's is. Fluff. I it's know it sucks. I, you know, I, 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 I it really does suck. So I, I came out like a month ago and said, why aren't the Republicans doing what we did back in the early nineties with Clinton, with the contract with America worked really well the American people need to hear from the Republicans how they're going to. You, you can't keep telling the American public what all the problems are. There's lots of them. We've been talking about them. Everybody knows what they are. It's time to start telling the people how you're going to fix it. So I was really encouraged until I started reading it. And it's you're right. It's just fluff. It's a joke. 
what what we what the American people I think need to do is get some of these candidates that are not part of the establishment to try to push back on on Kevin McCarthy as well as Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, there, there's a lot of the Republicans I'm not at all happy with right now. Um, Kevin McCarthy, well, lots of them. I I, I think they are totally yeah. blowing um, their biggest chance to actually make a difference. Yeah, and I hate to I hate to go back to a conspiracy theory, but this may be all baked in a cake. I, it almost seems like it. It almost seems like they're the, the the Democrats are screwing up so many things right now and the Republicans have a huge opportunity and they're just blowing it. I mean, look at the statement Pelosi said on Friday about shipping the immigrants north. You should keep the work in the field. I mean, how disconnected <laughs> and horrible a statement that is. I know. I know. So I forget I mean, some other oh some other Democratic politician was going off about the same thing. He's like, if if we weren't letting these illegal immigrants in, we'd all be starving. They're working in the fields. And oh, so that's a justification for breaking the law. Change the law then. Well, and, you know, and, you know, I don't have to tell you about our vice president. I mean, you know, now she wants to punish people in Florida and South Carolina and Puerto Rico unless you're the correct skin color all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And she goes overseas and she, and she desecrates South Korea. D- D- Dr. King is rolling over in his grave. He's got to be. Oh, I, I, yeah. Because you know, this so. is no different. I, I, this yeah, this it, is this is no different no, than the discrimination exactly, of the fifties and sixties. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's, it's exactly hundred and eighty degrees of what the civil rights movement was yeah. supposed to achieve. Yeah, and and it worked. It worked, and yeah, it, wasn't it the Democrats that were so proud of that? What happened? Um. Well, believe it or not, I think it was mostly Republican I know, legislation it was. that gave us the 14th and 15th Amendments. It was. But the Democrats like to talk a big game. Yes. Well, they were the champions of them for years when it, they it, were backdooring them with the, with, with the social, the, you know, the big social yeah. agenda that I, when B. Johnson came in, the great society. And free speech. That was always a left yep. issue. What happened? Yeah, yeah. Now they're just, they're, they really are, yeah, it's just getting so, what is it, hyperbolic where you, we'd only want to hear our own voice yeah. and that's it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I am totally ignoring the news around the midterm elections. Um, mostly, on, honestly, because when you think about it, none of that news really applies to me. There's only a couple things I get to vote yeah. on in the midterms. So even if those issues right. of, are, are, are of importance to me, it doesn't matter. I can't do anything about it. No, well, that's just it. If, if you don't have a, a, an election, I mean, I really, I am so beside myself with, with the way this uh, John Cornyn in Texas is, I, I I wish I I wish I had the the wherewithal and and financial backing. I would even run to get, just to shine a light on them. I know, I know. You, you know, know, I I am. I mean, I, yeah, I, you did. I'm a little optimistic here in Oregon. It's kind of hard to be because I can't imagine that we 
could vote in a Republican governor, but we've got a woman who's making a pretty darn good run at it. Well, that's good. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Be interesting to see a Republican governor yeah. here in Oregon. Like I said, she's she's spending a lot of money. She's um, she's she's making a run at it. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah, I, I'm it will pretty be. Sure. Uh, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, I don't know if you're doing the pit tomorrow, but I'll think of some other things. Maybe weigh in tomorrow with you. There you go. Um, not sure when the pit's going to be this week. I th- we're going to schedule it. So I think we're going to reach out to uh, Stan and John and uh, see what day works for all of us so we can schedule all three of us. Uh, let's go to New York. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, I've lived in Pennsylvania my whole life and grew up in, you know, one of those Pennsylvania <laughs> areas where it's all farms and woods. And uh, I, I have kind of a knock on wood counterintuitive theory on deer. I always, because I was never careful about deer. I would, nor, I would regularly drive 70 miles an hour <laughs> on right. twisty back roads. <laughs> and. I have never in the truck or the car, I'm not, I won't say I never touched a deer, but I never had one turn into any significant damage. Right, right. Uh, and, and, so I, I don't know. There's a lot of them in Pennsylvania. Just re- And I was just reminded of it again. I mean, I grew up in Northeast Ohio. I drove there and deer hunted through all there. So, I, you know, I'm very familiar with it. But, you know, I spent about a month living in the parking lot there at Pittsburgh Power. And there was a field right there just loaded with deer constantly. They're everywhere in Pennsylvania, I swear. Yeah, and I don't even really look for them where I'm, you know, if somebody's riding a shotgun with me, they'll be like, oh, did you, didn't you see that deer? No, I was looking at the road. Exactly, and he's, the deer's not on the road, so I didn't see him. It, yeah. It's just, it's, it, I don't know. I would have to believe that somehow the deer in Pennsylvania are just smarter. There's a lot of them and you just don't, you just don't see them on the road all that often. I mean, a lot of them do get hit. I, they I, do. My theory yeah. was wide open throttle, wide open <laughs> throttle scares them away. <laughs> Maybe so. And, and Lou- then, loud pipes and save then, lives, right? There you go. Yeah. There you go. Get a Pittsburgh power muffler and a fleet air filter and it, you'll be okay. Who needs um, a stinking muffler? But, we don't need no stinking muffler. I got straight pipes. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if my pipe was 40 feet behind me, I might do that. That's too, right. But, uh, <laughs> but I was calling, you guys were talking earlier about the electric tools and I was just doing a little research and I was going to make a post on the tribe and I didn't get to it, but, um, you know, I, I always had aspirations that one day I'm going to buy an air compressor. And then Milwaukee came out with a half inch impact. That'll take off lug nuts from a tractor trailer. And well, <laughs> now I don't want an air compressor anymore. Exactly. Uh, I act, I actually bought a torque limiting extension, and this is only the half inch gun because it's capable of a thousand foot pounds, which is over tight. The lugs, right? Yeah, the lugs are supposed to be four fifty. <laughs> so I actually bought a torque limiting extension for it. Holy but, cow! Uh, but 
you know, tires, and we talk about trying to get 130 PSI being an issue. And, you know, of course, if you want volume, uh, you know, the simple hose that hooks up to your glad handle air up a tire. But if you're trying to get the 130, uh, you know, um, and even, you know, at the gas stations, the nicer gas stations, we have those those super handy machines where you just dial in the pressure and you hold the chuck there till right. it beeps at you and you're done. And, you know, Sheets actually has those at the truck islands, but they only go up to 120. Exactly. And uh, so I started doing a little bit of research into uh, automatic electric inflators. And I don't know if anybody had any experience with them. I think DeWalt makes one that's 120 bucks, which isn't, I mean, that's not that much money, but there's ones that are way cheaper that might do the job. And the DeWalt will run on, you know, of course, DeWalt battery packs, but it also runs on 12 volt or 110. And it supposedly goes to 150 or 160 PSI. Now I'm sure, you know, you're not going to start with a truck tire at 60 and, you know, get there today. But, you know, if you're at 110 or 120 and you want to bring it up to 130, that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know. And, of course, for the cars, it would be nice that you don't have to drive to the gas station. Yeah, so I am a – I'm kind of a Kickstarter junkie. Have you ever seen Kickstarter? Uh, Yep. Yeah, so – Yes, I have a – yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of a junkie. Um I love new stuff. I love new ideas, new technology. Kickstarter for the people who aren't familiar, it's a website where if you have an idea for a new product and, and you have to have more than an idea. I mean, you have to be ready to manufacture this thing or, you know, pretty solid. And then you post it and you set a goal of how much money you need to raise to bring the product to market and then you give people a big discount to buy the product before it's ever even manufactured. So you're taking a big risk. You could end up with nothing. You could pay, you could pay for the product and never get it. It happens pretty regularly, by the way. Um, I've bought all kinds of stuff on Kickstarter, never got it. The company just never manages to pull it off. So there's risk. And, you know, when you do get something, you get a pretty good deal on it. I would probably venture to say over my life on Kickstarter, I've lost money not made money because so many things just I've paid for, never got the things that I do save on probably don't make up for it, but I keep doing it. So my most recent is a tire inflator And this thing. I swear to God, it looks like it's the size of a deck of cards, um, but it's supposed to be four times faster than, than any, any other device on the market. It cuts the pump time by 75%. Um, goes up to 150 PSI. Um, I, I, it doesn't, I mean, it must be doing a significant amount of volume if it can pump so much faster, but I, I don't even understand the technology behind it, but I'm, uh, what am I supposed to get this thing? Let me see what the update is. Um, they're in the final stages of production and should be shipping within the next two to two and a half weeks. Oh, Wow. Cool. Yeah, if you want to check it and out, it's called uh, One Pro Portable Tire Inflator. One Pro Portable. And it's 
same kind of deal. You set set the pressure and forget it. It shuts yeah. off when it's yep. Yeah, it looks okay. looks uh, looks pretty smart. And what was it called? One more time. One Pro Portable Tire Inflator. And they spell out the word one. Okay, cool. Well, you'll have to let us know how it is when it yeah. arrives. Yeah, because I, I deal with the same thing. I, um, I When I'm on the road, I'd like to keep 130. I, actually, I would put 140 in my coach tires because I've got some 16 plies, some pretty big tires. It's just so hard to get that much pressure. You know, when I'm at home, I, I and yeah. I do have one of those little, you know, portable construction donut looking things. And you can crank that up to 150, but man, is it slow. It takes forever. <laughs> right. So we'll see. Good deal. Well, I'll look, I'll look forward to your review. All right. Sounds good. Let's, uh, boy, the calls just keep coming today. Let's uh, grab another one. We'll go to Ohio. Dwayne, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Oh, yeah. Um, I just want to put my two cents in on a solar and a couple other things, too. Sure. Um, I've been following on the, on YouTube. I've been following two pretty to me and have little comments on it. And I've been doing Will Prowse, and the other guy's name is John Daniels. Well, Will Prowse has, has um, he's more a technical, all the time technical on stuff like that, and Will he'll do the comparisons and stuff. And John Daniels is uh, more of a hands-on, do the project, what he's doing in his own place and stuff like that, like that. Okay. But uh, picking that out, I'm myself, all right, and getting uh, – According to these guys, one of the best solar panels for what they are. Uh, but I'm going 12 volt uh, and, and only going 100 amp panels because 300 amp panels take almost the same real estate as a as a 300 amp panel. I thought 300 watt rather, 300 watts. And um, I, and, and like the, Mr. Daniels was saying that, that if you have damage, uh, rock or hail or something like that. If it hits one, you still got 200, 200 watts there. You haven't, you know, you're only out oh, 100 yeah. watts. Yeah, or if you got 300 watt panel, you're already you're out. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay. No reason for 12. And also, if you've got the real estate, and I don't your setup specific, I don't know what it is, but on my set, I'm putting mine on the ground because they do need maintenance. You got to you got to you know wash them off. Right. You got to get snow right. removal off of them and stuff like that. They do yep. need maintenance, and you got to be able to get to them. Also, heat has a lot to do with their output and their degradation. Uh, if you get up on a roof, you get, you need a good, good space up there to, um, ventilate, to, uh, um, and also a lighter color roof. Otherwise you're going to be, you're going to be burning them up like that. And they, they will go down quite a few percent, uh, because of the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they, I'm trying to, I'm going to put mine out in the open. Yeah. The property here that go I'm ahead. currently living in, I don't have enough ground area to do that. I wouldn't want to where I am. Uh, the property across the river, I could do that and probably would because a lot of my land over there isn't buildable, but it, I could use it for solar. So, yeah, in that case, I would put it on the yeah. ground for all the reasons you just said. But um, he's also showed different ways you can go and mount this stuff uh, using uh, regular building materials such as uh, metal, metal parlance. 
Okay. Uh, uh, like say for your like say uh, you'd use it in a house, you know, and stuff. And it's considerably be cheaper than the brackets they want. Also, staying twelve volt, uh, you're gonna have to put a heavier wire between the, pan- the panels and and to get down to your inverters and stuff. But being twelve volt, you've got millions, literally millions of products you can use on twelve volt. If you go twenty four and forty eight, your inverter if it's if it if it shucks, you're gonna have to order one or find a forty eight volt volt inverter. If you go if you got twelve volt, you can pick forty eight or twenty uh, twelve volt inverter up at Walmart. Right, right. You know, yeah. So, so, but your your wire side could be bigger because you're you know your their lower voltage is going to have more um, more resistance and stuff right. like that. Right. So, but um, uh, that's that's what I'm in the process, and I'm I'm getting ready to put in ten thousand ten thousand watts. Okay. So good. All right. Well, I'll but, I'll, um, I'll check yeah, that out because I'm I'm not impressed with any of these solar companies I've talked to. Well, I mean, like I say, they put a Tesla wall up. Before. If that thing screws up, what are you going to do? You're done. Yeah. And, yeah. We're- uh, also, the batteries. He, he's also went and checked out batteries too. As far as his main thing, as Mister Daniels is saying, um, he uses lead acid on his on his main group. But he's also been dabbling with the um, with the uh, iron, iron lithium uh, lithium iron I'm phosphate right now. But, uh, yes, yes, lithium phosphate. You got all these high, you got all these high, uh, high yearly guarantees, but they ain't been out that long. See, that's that. I, I, you know, I, how can I give a guarantee for for, for something that that's not that long? Well, I'm dealing with this right now with the coach. I've, I've got six giant batteries in there. Um, to replace them with lead acid is about seven thousand dollars worth of batteries, and they last me yep, yep. about three years. The first two years are excellent. The third year, I'm kind of, you know, fighting against it. And then it gets to the point where I just have to replace them where I am now. And every time I've done it for the last, uh, you know, this is my third time, um, I go and look at the new battery technology, lithium iron phosphate. The, the art, they're way more expensive and they don't have more capacity. That, that's not the thing. The same size lithium iron phosphate battery in lead acid, the capacities are about the same. So you're not gaining any capacity by spending yeah. all that extra money. What you're supposed to be gaining is life of the battery. But if I pay twice yeah. as much for this thing and I don't get twice as much life, and, and I'm not convinced that I am because... I'm using all these lithium batteries on tools, and I'm wearing out batteries. I mean, they're not lasting as long as they tell me they're supposed to last. So no. I'm going to go with lead that's acid not, again. Not thing on tools. Yeah, I'm going to go with lead acid again in the coach. I just don't think these new battery technologies are really there yet. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the, 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 the batteries now, there's one out there as very popular brand everybody's got it i guess that thing for for a 100 amp hour battery is almost near 900 900 some dollars i know i now, ha- I did find some other ones that mr daniel was showing it's down about 400 dollars or something like that for for a, a 100 amp hour battery 12 volt the but uh i've got i've been using uh golf cart batteries in my in my uh fifth wheel i use four of them in there and I come up with 12 volts with them yeah, six. The, uh, and the best me, setups, I think, and, are still six lithium. six volt batteries. I think are still the best setup. Yes, yes. But the uh, the the, uh, the to me the 
let Arlington batteries is they're delicate. They can't. They, they won't charge below thirty-two degrees. If they get too hot, they won't. They won't. They won't even put out like that. You got to. You got to. They have to be. Uh, they're. Um, Temperature, temperature, that's instant. Yeah, they are. Where I, in reality, a lead acid battery is, is to me, I have absolutely abused mine. I'm talking oh, flat. Right. You run them down lower than they're supposed it, to be. Right. Been in cold yeah. weather. Uh, put a charger on them all the time. I just keep the water level up in them. Mine usually lasts me four years yeah. before I start noticing yeah. anything like that. The, and, and, and cold don't bother them. I mean, yeah, it does, but it don't, you know. But they're they're just a, they're they're a workhorse. Yeah, they are. Where the, where the iron or the other ones are, are are to me are delicate. Yeah, I have one. I have one of those hundred amp hour in the Sprinter because of space and weight. They are smaller and lighter. That that yeah. helps, but that's they're expensive, and it just didn't make sense for me um, to spend you know twelve or thirteen thousand dollars on batteries when I have no guarantee that they're going to last me that long. Yeah. So, but also they got their own battery management system in them like that to keep them overheating and overcharging and stuff like right. that. If that right. goes screws up, yeah, then, then the battery's screwed, you're done. They're complicated. Yeah, it's so, not a, a lead-acid battery. Like you said, it's a workhorse. They're simple. We've had them around for decades. They, they work. So I, as yeah. much as I want the new technology and I thought for sure I was going to change this time, I, I'm not going to. just doesn't make sense yet. Yeah. It just, I'm going with what I know. I mean, right. I know these are going to right. work. I mean, yeah, you can only get, if you get a hundred amp, you get a hundred amp hour battery, you're going to be able to get 50 amps out of, I mean, 50 watts. Right. right. What, what hours? Amp, amp hours, amp hours, they list. And, um, um, uh, on a lead acid where he's supposed to be, that was supposed to take it down a hundred percent or totally down to zero and not hurt him none. So I, I don't know, but, but I, I say the, the warranties are throwing out there, stuff like that, but. Mr. Daniel has found a place where he can get a 12 volters for, uh, I think, like $400. Okay. I'll go. Maybe 500 but I think like $400 if you look at it. But you have to go in. you got to search him. he got all kinds of different things like that. But you have to search it on there for, you know, his batteries, where he's getting them and stuff like that. So Got it. We'll but, do. Um, all right. But he goes to try those sites. Yep. Thanks for the tip on that one. I'm going to go check that out. Let's go to Virginia. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. How you been? Good. What's on your mind? I, I just uh, I just found your app. I was like, where you? I know they took you off the uh, road dog. So I was like, man, I got to find Kevin. And I found your app, and I was like, oh, here he is. Well, good, good. So we, I'm gonna listen. I, I just said it. I just stopped listening to football because it's just getting boring. So I, well, I'm listening to your app now. There you go. Uh, I'm we, glad I found it because I've been missing you on the road. <laughs> we, we only missed a day. They canned me on Thursday uh, after the show was over. Really? I was off the air on Friday. Uh-huh. We came back live that Saturday. I worked the weekend just so we could be back really? on the air. We've been back on the air every day since. Because yeah, I, I, I was listening, and I turned you on Friday, and it was like, <laughs> well, these are repeats. What the heck going on? And then I heard they kicked you off the air, and I was yeah. like, oh, that's some BS, you know? Yeah. No, but we're I here. Wanted to ask you about, I wanted to ask you about mileage rates, okay? So I've been doing this since 2016, okay? Last to what I think in 2020 I had my first truck blow up on me and then I went and I, I leased the truck from the agent I'm on and I paid this so, truck off already so I don't have a truck payment okay so let's okay. just go back because I'm just curious when you say your truck blew up on you what does that okay. mean um I um 
I was a dummy and my mechanic was busy at the time. So I had an oil leak and I changed the oil pan gasket. That's what I thought. And I saw some plastic in there and it was N14. And, um, I didn't tell him about it until after the fact. And, um, I missed a coolant nozzle that sprays oil onto that piston when it goes down and up broke. And it ah. stopped spraying oil okay. on that thing. So it was leaking between, I think that there's a, what do they call it? The block. And then you got another, what's that? The seal that goes between the block. The, are you, you know, talking you know about, about the liners? I don't what it is. The liner. Yeah. Yeah. So it was leaking behind that. Right? And he told me that if I would have told him about the plastic, he would have came over and checked all the oil coolers. But I was on going down 40 in Dixon, uh, I think it was 2021. Can't remember the like that. Um, and um, I lost the number six piston right on the highway. Okay. You know what I mean? Got it. All right. And it was, and it was an older truck, so it wasn't really worth putting 30 right. grand into the right. engine. Now that makes you sense. You know what I mean? So yep. my mechanic said, just sell it and recoup what you can and get another truck. And my agent, luckily, had just rebuilt this Volvo I got with an ISX completely rebuilt Volvo. And he was like, well, I can sell you this truck. You know what I mean? Okay. And I said, well, hell yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, uh, perfectly a rebuilt Volvo, you know, Vietnam, nice truck, 04. I don't have death or anything like that. Okay. Where? So I just paid this truck off. Good. You know what I mean? Um, not just paid. I paid it off like last month, man. Last This summer has been kind of rough on on maintenance for me because I had to put a clutch in and then I had leaf springs break. And then you know, I just finally got the truck where I needed to be. Cause you know, but my question is if I'm doing my mileage rate correctly, cause I don't per se pay attention to mileage rate. I'm more attention to my gross of my net. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But I know that if I want to make a $1,500 a week for salary, pay an estimate of $2,000 a week in fuel, Plus the carriers, insurance, and stuff. That is 150 a week, and then my my trailer is 160 a week. I gotta roughly make a dollar 36 a mile for 2,800 miles. That'll break me even. So anything over that, I consider that profit. But what I do, what I how I do it myself, since I'm a one shop guy, I know if I gross four thousand dollars, I'm on a net two thousand to twenty five. If I grow it's 45, it's going to be more 25 to three grand home. You know what I mean? And anything over five to six is going to be 35 to four grand to maybe five grand home, depending on your fuel usage. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it do. And I, so that's, that's what I concentrate during the week is, okay, I want to make this much money to the house. I need to make this gross. So I don't even pay attention to the mileage rate because I run the spot market. And, you know, every region is different. Right. And everybody that I talk to, oh, you're calling cheap freight, that cheap freight comes up. I'm like, well, cheap freight to me is below $1.36 a mile because that means I'm not making any profit. Am I right? Um, yeah, well, I, I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I'm not really liking this thought process either. Uh, it's not a bad start. Okay. But – you're you're missing right. a lot of things here. It, the problem with a system okay. like this, 
because you're not paying attention to efficiency or good numbers on the expense side. You're just focused on if I can gross this much, I'm going to net this much. You're going to work yourself to death and wear out your equipment like that because you're willing to make up for a bad rate just by working more. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, I don't do that. I don't do. No, don't you are. You just did. Well, wait a minute. You just said you were a dollar thirty six uh, a mile is a bad rate. Let's just put that out there. That sucks. Right. right. So, well, yeah, that the, sucks. well I don't then, shoot for that rate. But you take it. And that's your guideline. No. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You just told me the story. I, I heard you. That. I'll play it back true. for you if you want. Yeah, true, true. No, I got you. But that, right. that's right. that's the kind of mentality this thinking creates. All I have to do is gross this uh, much and then I'll I be able you. to pay my bills. Well, wait a minute. What if you were right. to able to work a lot less and still pay your bills? By being more efficient. Yeah, that's true. By building good relationships and finding better rates, by watching your expenses so we can lower our fuel cost and lower our maintenance cost. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, true. Correct. Right. So it's it's just a change so, in the way you think that that we should focus on okay. those expenses. I would I would much rather right. work less and take home more than have to just keep working True. more yeah. to pay my bills because I'm not focusing on getting a better rate and building relationships and I'm not focusing on my fuel mileage. Your entire focus is is it just on work more. If I don't have enough money, just work more. Right. That's your whole focus. Correct. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Right. So uh, it, it, it has worked for you. You're still in business. You lost a truck. You managed to get another truck and get back into business and get it paid off. So it's working for you, but you could be doing a lot right. better and not working as hard. Okay. And because I run the boards and I'm just... Because so, so here's one change that I call. Well, okay, you but, know what I mean. But but they're not really contacts, right? I mean, I could tell by no, the way you said just that. People I call to get loads. Yeah. Right? Why? Why yeah. not? Why not sit down, look through the people who you've already moved loads for in the past. Think about: Do any of them stand out to you? Were any of them better to work with, or you just liked them better for whatever reason? No matter what the reason is. Right. Find three to five brokers that you've worked with in the past, seems like a good fit, and focus on them. Okay, I got you. Right. The, the, you, you, you said a statement, and, and it was important. You said, I work the boards. Do you realize the best freight never right. makes it to the boards? Yeah, I know that. I yeah, know that. That's, that's the I, point. I, couldn't, I can't figure out where to go to find... You know what I mean? Stuff that's not on the boards because I just I just well, don't, have that. I don't under, well, I don't understand well, where to let's, look and let's what think it through. For, Let, let's sense. think it through. Okay. If it's not on the load board, then where does there's really only two other places it could be? If the freight isn't showing up right. on any of the load boards, what are the other two places where it could be? Uh, it's sitting shipper yep. and. And a broker. And uh, and a broker. That's right. it. 
that saves that for their That's carriers. That's it, right? right. So either have right. shippers who are not posting on load boards. They already have carriers to cover right. their freight. And you have brokers who many of their loads won't ever get posted on a board because they don't have to. The freight is so good. There's right. always somebody right. waiting there, there to take it. They got people. Right. 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 So that's where it is. Okay. That's where you yeah, have that, to that go to find sense. it. Now, I would. That makes sense. I would discourage you from even even bothering with direct shippers. Right. Yeah. You're I'm not a there yet. Not well, really uh, I, I know right. some yeah. one truck guys that do pretty well with direct shippers. You're just not there yet. You could get there, but okay. that that's a tough. Right. That's a tough sell. There's a lot you have to do, and it's time-consuming. Right. But building relationships see, with brokers, another, honestly, is drop-dead simple. Right. Okay. And another thing is, everybody's talking about contractor freight, but for to my thing is, if I contract freight, I have that, to pull that load. You're not going to... Well, first off, that's not true. <laughs> this is one of those okay. weird contract freight in this industry is not a binding contract. Uh-huh. And nobody even looks at it that way. Okay, gotcha. It's one of those weird things. Right. It's kind of convenience. We'll contract this freight, right. and most of the time we won't have to worry about it. But it's very, very common, even right. with big shippers with thousands of trucks, for there to not be a truck in that area for one of their contracted loads. It happens. And the, right. the, the shipper just right. give it to a broker, throw it up on the board, whatever. So it, it really isn't. Now, if you're going to have contract freight, you should try to move it as often as you possibly can. Because if you're not yeah, moving obviously, it, obviously, then, right. yes. But it's not ironclad. But again, I would say, don't even okay, think gotcha. about dedicated freight right now. Uh, unless you do right. it through so a broker. Concentrate on... Right. Three so to five. Try to find some brokers. Three to five good brokers. I book with them every day, every time I'm out. So, yeah, yep. I, I got to do that anyways because I use a bunch of different brokers every day and I kind of don't like doing that. Well, it's a pain in the like ass. Have, hey, I'm going to call Dave. Yeah, it's a pain yeah, in the ass. I kind of like want right. to have, oh, I got to call Dave. Hey, what do you got? I'm in Memphis. Oh, you know what I mean? Something like that. You know, that would be a good idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, so I'll probably work for, I'm going to work towards that and that'll be my, um, January goal to get there, there you go. brokers where I can call on a weekend. Hey, I'm leaving out Monday. Let me, what, what do you got in the Savannah area? You know what I mean? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Yeah. So don't concentrate. So, cause I do do the mileage rate when I say, Hey, um, uh, you know, I negotiate a rate. I always bump it up. Well, good. You know, so that, I do, that, do the mileage, but don't, it, con- don't concentrate on growth, concentrate on building better relationships, to get better, better mileage, better rates. Yep. That's what you're saying. Yep. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I appreciate you talking to me about that because I, I, I mean, I hear what now. I understand what everybody's saying: getting better rates by being having better relationships with individual exactly. brokers, right? Instead of oh, because the whole cheap freight thing, I just, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I guess. Well, you know, I mean? it, you know, here's the thing: as a broker, I've worked as a broker. If I remember, right? As a broker, I have a customer. I had to go get that freight somewhere. Right. Getting freight is not easy. It's very competitive. And if I have this freight from a customer and I just give it to some random person who found the load on the board and they screw it up, that hurts my customer relationship. So my best freight doesn't go to the board. My best freight goes to the people I work with and know and trust. 
That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to concentrate on that for this year to get a more solidified excellent customer base for myself, I guess. There you go. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoy your show. I'm glad I found you on the, on the, um, on the app. Great so, to have you back. Um, I appreciate it. All right. Check in. All right. Thanks. We want to hear from you. All right. We are going to wrap this up for today. Uh, I don't have any. Well, let me check. Um, no, I don't have any news on the um, on the pit yet. Uh, I just checked. So we will let you know, and we'll also send out a text message when we do it. We're just looking for a time this week uh, to get John and Stan together, and we'll record it. So The Pit is the first show that we are moving to a podcast format. We will always have at least an hour every day of live streaming, probably more like two or till we run out of questions. But uh, some of our shows are going to move to a podcast format. We'll keep you informed and we will see you back here tomorrow for the Power Hour. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.